What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Best Of. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And for those of you who weren't able to listen to every podcast that I did this week, don't worry. I'm not too mad about it. I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not mad. Just disappointed. But I still got you covered. We got you every week here with a Best Of where I'm going to give you a taste of everything that was in the podcast feed, starting with this week's Raw Roundup. Next, uh, speaking of Candice, we got Mr. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, who confirmed he'd be wrestling Otis soon after Otis went looking for that match, and he gladly accepted after losing to the guy a few months back. Judgment Day interrupt the interview, and Priest almost fights Gargano, Balor stops him from doing so and then challenges Johnny to a match next week on Raw. After that, we got a Miz TV segment, and Miz kicked things off by praising his wife, Maurice, and the gift that she gave him. He thinks he then says he's going to bring out his guest, who he says is going to be the host of WrestleMania himself. Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. I worded that all wrong. Let me try that again. Uh, he then... Says he's going to bring out his guest who will be the host of WrestleMania, but his guest is just himself. The Miz is the host of WrestleMania this year. He begins to hype the card, but then he gets interrupted by Seth Rollins, who says he isn't trying to rain on Miz's parade lately, but Miz has been a bit of a jerk. Rollins explains uh, that he's been trying to get a hold of Logan Paul too, but it's been difficult so he asks Miz if Miz could give him a FaceTime call on his behalf. But Miz denies the request and calls Rollins a goofball in a stupid jacket. This, of course, pisses Seth off. So he takes him out and then takes the phone from Miz so that he can make the call himself. Logan accepts the FaceTime, thinking it's Miz. But then he realizes it's actually Seth Rollins. Seth rubs in the fact that Jake Paul lost his boxing fight last night and then challenges Logan to show up on Raw next week since he's been running his mouth. Logan accepts and dares Seth to keep talking like this when he sees him in person. An excited Rollins says, bye-bye, bitch, then hits, then hits the stomp on Miz before celebrating his way to the back. Loved this. Loved this. This was fantastic. You know, I think that I tend to judge segments that are like a talk show much more heavily because it's such an easy crutch to lean on. And it's a crutch they lean on too much, in my opinion. And it makes, when there's too much of them or when there's, I don't know, the the the, the, the excitement of them wears off to some degree, um, it's hard for me to get invested in those segments. The talk shows, I just, they can be so hit or miss to me. More often, talk show segments are missed to me. But this one was fantastic. This was a nice change of pace for how they normally are. The FaceTime call felt fresh. It felt current. It felt like what people would actually do. Sometimes in other in other times when I've watched the show, I, I would sometimes say to myself, well, that's weird. No one would actually do that in real life. No one would, would do that. Um, but a FaceTime call, as simple as it may be, a FaceTime call from within the ring to someone like Logan Paul and having a back and forth with the technology like that, it just 
it came across as current. It came across as something that people would actually do, a scenario that felt authentic. And when it's authentic, you can buy into it. You can believe it. It made me believe all of this. I, I know that this was set up. Trust me. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I've been involved in the entertainment industry for pretty much my entire life. So when I saw the shot of Seth Rollins looking at his phone, well, excuse me, when you saw the hand holding the phone, and the video of Logan Paul responding back. It was very clear that that was not being done live. But I was able to buy into all of this. I was into what was happening. I was into the trash talk. They've sold me on the build via social media. I'm already sold on the fact that we're getting Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. So now you just got to hook me emotionally in the story. And Logan, you know kind of being a bitch and not necessarily, you know, doing things to Seth's face also plays into the fact that a lot of people consider Logan Paul to be a heel, not a face. And that he'd play better in a wrestling setting as a heel. I'm feeling that more in this feud with Seth Rollins so far in this short amount of time than I did in the other stuff that he's done in WWE. Because mainly... There's no planet where the WWE loyal audience is going to be cheering for Logan Paul over Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a mainstay. Seth Rollins is a guy we watch every week, a guy who is one of the biggest parts of this generation of performers. You hear them singing his song every week. So yeah, I I really I really enjoyed all this, and I really do think that it's playing to everyone's strengths, and that's what you want. You want to see everyone's strengths being played to, and that's what this did. You got to see Miz doing, his, you know, making his announcement about himself, how important he is. Then you can see, you know, his his weaselly attitude when he won't help Seth with the call. You get to see Seth and his furry jacket and furry glasses just just in all his glory for what he's doing right now just playing it up to the max you got to see logan paul talking a little bit of trash making it seem like he doesn't even want to come to the show because he's got to be on facetime these were all just these little subtle things that really made this segment work for me and it's one of those matches that i'm really looking forward to at wrestlemania already and that's without them even really having the face-to-face encounter that I'm looking for that we're going to get next week. So I'm excited about that. Next week's Raw sounds like it's going to be dope. We got John Cena. We got that. We got a lot of stuff happening. I'm pumped for it. Damage Control hyped their upcoming tag match after that. And then Austin Theory stepped in to complain about how people are talking about John Cena coming back to Raw instead of him. He then vows to look Cena in the face next week and give him all the respect he deserves. The only thing he asks for in return is the same treatment. Do you think that next week, do you think that Cena actually responds to him this time? Because last time, he just walked out of the room. He didn't even say anything back to Austin Theory. But are we going to get that heater promo from Cena to theory this time i'm looking forward to it if we do but i could also see him turning around and just not 
addressing him still. It might be something that they work towards. I did a podcast called the, the Public Enemies Podcast, and I talked about how I could even see that even if they're making it look like we're maybe going to get Cena versus Theory at WrestleMania, holding off on it even longer, making us wait for it just a little more, really making Theory earn that match. I could see that. I also could see and I told them this on the Public Enemies podcast. Like, I got this, like, weird, I don't know. I got this, like, weird thing I want to see. And maybe I'm crazy for this. I kind of want to see Edge beat. No, what am I talking about? No, Edge just got challenged with Finn Balor. My prediction that I made in that podcast is totally wrong. Because we're getting Balor versus Edge. But I want to see Edge versus John Cena at some point, too. We got to get that match, man got to get that match one more time and this is coming from someone who would not have said that back when they were wrestling each other to ad nauseum all right next here's a portion of this week's interview on out of character i have a different relationship with like hunter and sean than a lot of other people like i've known them for a long time now at this point and i i've always said they're like my wrestling dads because they are like last time i talked to them was on like father's day I got texts from them like saying happy first father's day and things like that. Cause that's been our relationship. So we didn't even really discuss wrestling stuff in the time period I was gone. Cause they knew like, I didn't have that on my mind. We kind of just talked about real life stuff, which is also a cool relationship to have. That's so wild. Just knowing that you're dressing, like just there's pictures of you dressed up as HBK as a child. Yeah. And now you just have HBK just texting you on your first father's day. Just being like, yeah. happy father's day. Like you got his t- action figure right behind you. Yeah, you know? I know. Like, I know. <laughs> like, when the baby was born, they were some of the first people to reach out and congratulate us. Uh, like even th- through everything Hunter was going through, I still talk to him all the time. Like we were still in communication. Uh, and again, it was very non-wrestling. It was all just real life stuff. And uh, I think that's the cool part of it because it's not just business. It's more of a, a real relationship and actual, you know, friendship we've formed over these years. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed from pretty much, Across the board, everybody who has been brought back since Triple H took over as head of creative, every interview I've seen with each one of them that they've done, that's been kind of like the running theme was like, well, we continued to talk to them after we left and just kept a normal personal relationship. So it would make sense that when Triple H did take over that he'd want people he has those relationships with on his team. Yeah, and I, I, I do appreciate it. Look, I, I was on record even when back in the day, like I am a Triple H guy. I am a Shawn Michaels guy. When I left, like I said, like I will always, always, always be loyal to Hunter and Sean for uh, what they have, the opportunities they have given me, and the friendship that we have, and the working relationship we have. It was, it was nothing but great times, and that's a big reason, honestly. And everyone should know this about me by now: why I was in NXT for so long because I genuinely, genuinely loved working with those two working with everyone in that environment. I love working with everyone in the NXT locker room, everyone in the office, the writing staff. I said this in my, my final promo, like my final promo that I did on air on NXT was all real. It's from the heart. I wrote it myself. Like it wasn't like people were giving me things to say. Like it was literally like, Hey, go out and have a chance to say goodbye and say the things you want to say. And that is why it was my choice to be in NXT for that long is because I genuinely love the environment I was working in. And it felt like a family. And coming back now, coming back on Monday Night Raw, 
like the environment very much so feels like a family again. And that's pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, and you can feel the the NXT vibe slowly shifting over to the main roster and starting to spread a little bit just just from seeing everyone on TV and seeing just how people are acting and how people seem to be uh, more positive and, and in a better mood about everything right now. It's definitely a great place, man. Like, I, I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited to be home. Uh, and I, I, I've been home for nine months, but to be in my wrestling home again, because... Uh, as I sat home and, you know, I, I thought about different things. The main thing that always crossed my mind was when I was eight years old. And I said this in my return promo, when I was eight years old, I had a lot of dreams of being intercontinental champion. And I went to WWE events and uh, I wanted to wrestle at WrestleMania. And I haven't done any of those things yet. And I couldn't look back on the career I've had and feel fulfilled. If I didn't at least try, if I didn't at least give that my best effort. But I'm also aware enough where I want to work in an environment that I love because that's how I operate. I want to work in an environment that I can fulfill my creativity, but also uh, have passion and heart and just everything just be rewarded. And I think like this, this current climate we're working in, it's a very exciting time for everyone. Well, I want to get to your return promo, and I want to get to uh, the, the the dad life, but I want to ask one thing, because you mentioned it, and before I get past it, I want to get too past it and have uh, Twitter be like, how did you not follow up on that one, Ryan? Uh, you did briefly mention there that they, that people on your team had mm-hmm. other talks, so... Were, so there, there was possibly, like, there were talks with other promotions in your time away a little bit? Yeah, there were conversations, for sure. Uh, and, and, I mean, we'd be dumb not to have those conversations right uh especially given everything that was going on the uncertainty around everything like who knows what could happen that that's the crazy thing about the wrestling business is literally everything can change in the blink of an eye so the fact that i was able to be incredibly patient be in no rush to do anything and that's the big part the big i guess gain i had of all this is i could sit back and kind of survey the landscape and uh, make my decision on a timely basis. I didn't have to be like, okay, I need a job right now. Where are we going to go? Like, I believe everything happens for a reason. Uh, the fact that I was able to have my contract expire in December, have the baby in February, and spend as much time with him as possible, and kind of just not be in any rush to do things, and also not be in any rush to reach out or say, I need to come back now, or I need to do this then. Like I said, from December to December, I was fine not doing anything. Totally fulfilled not doing anything. And luckily, I have people around me that can have the conversation so I don't have to think about business. I don't got to think about wrestling. They can all talk about that stuff. And all I can worry about is dad life. Uh, But like I said, I watch everything. I'm a fan of wrestling. And for me, it just felt like I wanted to go to the place that would, I don't know, the place that not only could utilize me best, but also a place where I already have a relationship with Hunter and a relationship with a lot of people backstage. Like that was the big thing for me. I'm all about relationships. I'm all about uh, the familiarity. And as soon as the change happened, I think there was really only, only one option in my head. Lastly, here's a portion of the SmackDown Roundup. A 
SmackDown started with Roman Reigns coming out first with Solo, Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Paul Heyman. Roman is quickly interrupted by Cody Rhodes, who got a big reaction from the crowd while Reigns watched him from the ring with a smug look on his face. Cody explained that he was simply there for a conversation and didn't understand the need for protection from the bloodline. So then Roman told them all to leave and laid out his belt between them and asked Cody, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Which was very good. Uh, That was so good. You know, Cody always does the whole, so what do you want to talk about smugly thing? And I love when Cody does it. But Roman turning it around on him was such a good line. You know, it's actually weird. I was... As Cody was walking out and Roman was in the ring, I was thinking about how interesting it is, how far Roman has come from that John Cena segment that everyone always talks about. Um, But it's interesting, you know, that he's now in that John Cena role of the guy who has led the company for a certain amount of time, who is, you know, this impossible to overcome guy within WWE, obviously the company's favorite son. And it's interesting to me that he's kind of now in that John Cena role, Roman Reigns, where the guy who could be the next person that carries the company on his back for a bit of time is walking out. And we were going to get a segment between them. And I was thinking about the parallels there, about how interesting and how far we've come from that time where Roman has transformed into something completely different uh, over time, obviously, with the change to the head of the table stuff. But I just, I don't know. It was interesting to me looking at that, and that's all I kept thinking about is how it's, it's I, I found it, um, <laughs> you know, appropriate that, that, that he was now on the other side as that guy. And the person coming out is someone who was technically in the company before he was even on TV. So I, I don't know. There was a lot of, like, interesting uh things to me when I was when I was watching this about you know time and whatever I don't know I'm sappy lately dealing with grief whatever but I'm just saying I thought it was interesting uh so Cody (coughs) excuse me Cody talked about how Roman is the impossible mountain to climb for some excuse me let me take a sip of water so I don't cough in your ear again one second okay we're good here Uh, Cody talked about how Roman is the impossible mountain to climb for some, but that's what Cody has built his career around. He then recalled people saying he'd never be anything but Randy's understudy. He'd never survive Stardust. 10,000 people would never pay to see him and his buddy's little indie show, but continued to prove people wrong as as the goal posts kept being moved for him. I saw someone who was at the building tonight point out that that was where the first uh, dynamite was uh which obviously cody was in and i i you know because of that i even more so liked the the little nod to all out and and aew since i'm sure some of that audience was familiar with cody being there uh for all of that and you know his part in all of that but I also liked it more because, and I and I know I've mentioned this in the past, but I do believe that like we're getting this cool like, you know, AEW's former, the guy who who carried the AEW flag in the public face uh, of the company 
for a long time in Cody Rhodes. Well, a long time in you know the, in, in terms of how long that company has been around. But it is kind of like you know the guy who was the front-facing figure at a lot of the media and public things beyond you know Tony Khan. Um, it's Cody Rhodes. You know, yes, Kenny Omega was like you know one of the top guys in the company and the Young Bucks too. I'm not sliding them, but you know it's the four of them. And Cody was you know the guy who was trying to rally everyone for a long time to to come follow him instead and in what they were doing, and so. Us getting the AEW guy versus WWE's guy that whole time in a match um, is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big, you know, uh, undertone of this story, in my opinion. Between not story of this of this match, um, it is almost a dream match element type thing where it's like, wow, we're really we we, we a lot of people never would have expected Cody Rhodes to even be back, and now he's in the main event of WrestleMania against the guy who was on top that whole time. So I, I like the little nod uh, to AEW there and, and all out, um, or excuse me, double or nothing. Uh, or all in and, and double or nothing. Um, so then he says to, Cody says to Roman, he says, it might, uh, Roman might be impossible to some, but not for him. Uh, Roman then belittles Cody, obviously, for never having held a world title or main evented WrestleMania before like him and said, that he's been groomed for greatness from day one, not just by his own father, but by the late Dusty Rhodes as well, Cody's dad. Roman explained the close relationship he had with Dusty and how Dusty told him all the time that he had it. He even did a great little Dusty impression. But one thing that Dusty never talked about with Roman was Cody. So then Roman stuck out his hand and assured Cody that if Dusty failed to teach him anything, then he would. An agitated Cody laughed this off and and then really fired up and said, in order for him to exist, it's a necessity that he defeats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He then stuck out his hand and said, may the better man win. Roman shook his hand and walked away to the back. This is how you sell this match. I mean, this was just like money all around. Money, money, money all around. I mean, for one, I think... There was, you know, yes, there was demeaning going on in some fashion, but it wasn't like you suck as a wrestler. Neither of them were like you suck as a wrestler. It was real deep. It was real personal. And it was personal in a way that we as fans completely understand the story of. Like, Dusty Rhodes is an iconic figure in the world of pro wrestling. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <coughs> Dusty Rhodes... Iconic figure in the industry, but but beyond that, you know, so many fans know that this current crop of talent at the top are are were all, you know, had had Dusty's hand in in some way in their career. Dusty was involved in all their careers when he was working at the Performance Center. He was involved with Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on and on, including Roman Reigns. And so to kind of like go back to that and dig into a thing where, you know, and this might be fresh for me, but, and and this is a topic that Cody and I discuss on the podcast next week. You know, we talk a lot about grief and losing a father. Um, but I think that... Uh, uh, 
many sons feel like they want to be better than their dad was. They want to show their dad that they can be even better than their dad was. And however that manifests in different ways. I think that they want to show their dad, like, I can be even better than you were. And I think that we can also relate to, <laughs> a lot of people can relate to a father who doesn't believe their son can do that. Uh, and doesn't have that confidence in him. And then has that confidence in others out in the world. And you're like, well, that, and, and the son is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't he have that confidence in me, but he has it with someone who's not family. It's a weird, screwed up father-son thing that a lot of people have. So I think that if that's a story you can relate with, then how do you not back Cody Rhodes here? Where you're like, man, this guy just wants to still, even in his dad's absence, if his dad not being there anymore, if his dad being gone, he still wants to show his father that he, that, that he, that he could be as great, that he could be better, that he could do all of this. And I think that that's a story that resonates with so many people. I think that um, a lot of people have dealt with situations like that with their dads, um, whether they're alive or dead, you know? And I think that bringing that element into this where it wasn't like, oh, you left, you're not worthy of the main event, you know? It was really just like a, well, I mean, if you really were the guy, then why didn't your dad think it? Because he thought of it about me. And I and I, I just think that's such an interesting story to tell where it's like, you know, we've talked about the the, the great storytelling in the Sami Zayn storyline. But this is like classic storytelling too. And I think that personally, you know, it's a, it's a story that resonates with me as well. So um, when I was watching this, I was just captivated in the whole thing because you could see it in the way they were both playing it the whole time. Roman's smugness, Cody trying to be stoic as he comes out, but the second his dad stuff gets brought up, he knows it's his Achilles heel, but then he also knows that if that's really what Roman has, then, then he doesn't have much right now because that's something he's been dealing with his whole life, and it's the thing that's motivated him to get to the main event of WrestleMania and beat Roman Reigns anyways. And also on top of this, just just last thing I'll say on this because I know I've spent so much time on this, but I thought it was so great. Is I think that for me personally, wrestling is best when the lines are blurred between reality and fiction, and usually that means you know the audience not knowing if what they're watching is real or not, right? Because it's a fictional thing, but then it kind of feels real. And you're like, well, which is it? But I find this interesting because it's almost like the opposite. It is real. It is something that is a, a real thing that 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 Cody Rhodes has within him emotionally, uh, a real motivation in his life, uh, something that has inspired him for the past few years, that has pushed him to the top, that has pushed him to do all these impossible things. And you know, if you followed wrestling. That Cody Rhodes, like, this is real, how he feels, what he needs. So when you're taking something that's actually real, something so deeply personal, something that fans can relate with because it's someone who we all loved on a different level, obviously, but we all love Dusty Rhodes too, 
when you like mash that all together, like all these real life things, and then you're kind of putting a fictional spin on it. It's that, that's what I love about wrestling. That's when you can buy into somebody winning a world title at WrestleMania and 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 care and truly care. You know, like be invested. Someone the fans are gonna, you know, emotionally connect with. That's how you're gonna emotionally connect with people. So. This was all fantastic to me. I loved it so much. I just spent so much time on it, uh, but I, that's how much I, I I connected with this and how much of a home run I thought this was because everything was played correctly here uh, on every level. No notes, no critiques. Let's move on to Liv Morgan versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea dominated the beginning of this match. And then Liv made a solid comeback and hit an awesome code breaker from the middle rope for a nice little near fall. Things got uh, a little comp- uh, competitive uh, after that before Rhea ultimately hit the riptide, followed by the inverted cloverleaf for the submission win. You know, I just, I don't think Rhea needs to uh, reestablish that she too has a submission move like Charlotte Flair before their match at WrestleMania. But, like, I also don't have a problem with wrestlers having more than one move that they can finish a match with. I, do, I, I, I think it's good when it looks like they could lose with anything. I just think that it's hard to reestablish something like that in just a few matches. Like, she would have really have had to have, like, really used it often for me to, like, put it on that level. I think that instead, uh, what they should be focusing on, and they did in this match was just how confident she is right now. I mean, she's clearly at an all-time confidence high in real life as a character and it's 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 you know, it's it's being conveyed on, on screen. I um so I liked all the trash talking to Charlotte. I liked all of the confident stuff that she was doing that she wanted to even win a match with something that wasn't her finisher. The the power bomb looked sick that she did where she caught Liv trying to do the code breaker again from the top rope and power bombed her. Um it was a it was a fun match between these two. I think that they know each other so well from their time as a team, for being friendly with each other, from working together for so long. They have good chemistry together. Uh, whether it's on the same side or opposing sides. And I also felt like it was smart to have Rhea beat a former SmackDown women's champion on her quest to taking down Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. So, you know, I I think that similar to kind of what I had said on Raw, it's like you got to, you know, if people are challenging for titles, even after winning the Royal Rumble, like you want to heat these people up as much as possible and make it look like there's a reason they're challenging for the title. And, you know, a squash match isn't necessarily the thing that will do that. Uh, A competitive match makes a bit more sense. But at the same time, because Rhea is so just, you know, dominant right now in what she's been doing, I felt like this was a healthy, uh, a healthy medium between everything to kind of like satiate all parties here and make sure, you know, Liv doesn't look too weak here. She didn't look weak in the match. Make sure Rhea still looks strong. She did and the way she was handling everything. Make sure that they address Charlotte in some fashion and apparently now also reestablish that inverted uh, cloverleaf. But the cloverleaf is dope. I liked when she did that move. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I just was saying, like, 
I think you need time to reestablish a submission move as a possible way to end a match, personally. And that's just like the most massive nitpick that I could think of for this match. Uh, so don't beat me up. I'm not like, uh, I'm not, it's not that important to me. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but just when I was watching it, it was definitely the thought that I had since they were trying to hype it up on commentary afterwards about like, oh, Charlotte has the figure eight and, you know, Rhea has the inverted clover leaf. And I just, just didn't seem to be on the same level with those two things. Next, uh, we were in the bloodline locker room. Roman asked Jimmy Uso what was up with Jay Uso. Jimmy tried to play it off jovially, saying Jay just needed more time. But Roman said he's running out of patience with Jimmy over this not being resolved. Uh, not Jay that he's running out of patience with, but Jimmy. And Jimmy told Roman he'd let him know and walked out of the room. After that, Rhea and Dominic ran into Santos Escobar, who challenged Dominic to come to the ring alone and face him like a man. Dominic did not do that, however, as he came out with Rhea anyway for the match. And this was a fairly equal match that saw Santos continually try to make Dominic respect the Mysterio mask, which he did not want to do. Dominic uh, pulled brass knuckles out of his pants at the end, and Rhea used the distraction to hit the riptide on the floor. Dominic then landed a frog splash and stole the win. Quick note here before we get to the aftermath stuff. The past few weeks, ever since Santos Escobar showed respect to Rey Mysterio over the mask, and they traded masks or whatever, um... It's kind of felt like the rest of Legato has been kind of absent. I've been a little. Con- it almost. It appears like they're turning Santos' face when he has like a whole faction with him, which has kind of confused me because I like Legato. I like what they were doing. I was super into it. Um, I'm not sure if it connected with the audience yet, but it was getting there. I think take, some of these things take time. Not everybody was watching NXT when they were doing stuff. So I was a, I, I, that's really when I was watching this thinking, like, that's interesting that they're turning Santos Escobar into a babyface, it seems. Because I kind of expected there to be more between Mysterio and them. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, it's interesting to me that he's being built up as a babyface now. And I don't know what to make of that. Because what happens with Zelina and the other guys then? Do they maybe find someone to replace him? And and then there's a feud there. I could see that happening. Because I don't think Legato should just go to waste like that. Obviously the name is tough without him there in the group. But um, maybe a different name? I don't know. I've been trying to think of what I could see. I know Dragon Lee is in WWE now. Could he take a spot? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know if I think I, there's anyone that immediately comes to mind that I'm like, well, he could be the new guy in charge of Legato. I mean, unless it's <laughs> unless Andrade came back, and then the Zelina connection would make the most sense, and then we could, you know, do something there. Andrade and Santos would be dope, but I don't know what the status of Andrade is whatsoever. I just know we haven't seen him in a while. I think he's injured um, and whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So um, that would be cool. 
that's my ultimate fantasy booking in this, but I don't even know if that's anywhere near possible. I'm just speaking completely out of turn here. So I don't know. Raw and SmackDown roundups every week. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed and check those out. I put a lot of work into them. So I hope that you're enjoying them. And if you are enjoying them, make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on i think you can only leave an actual review on apple Podcasts, but leave a, a rating on spotify just let people know you like this show please i want more people to listen to it <laughs> also make sure that you subscribe to the wwe on fox youtube channel that's where you can find out of character every wednesday on video so go subscribe to the wwe on fox youtube channel there's also clips from ron smackdown there there's clips from out of character there's youtube shorts there's a community tab everything that you would want out of a youtube channel in wrestling is there on the wwe on fox youtube channel so go make sure you subscribe and also follow wwe on fox on social media twitter facebook instagram tiktok we're on all of them so make sure you are following us there all right you go have a great sunday and we'll be back monday tomorrow to talk about monday night raw once over <laughs>